0: Yeah, come on, just, you know. we'll, we'll do it, like, theater-style. Can it grow? Or? That's fine. Just, yeah. You to say everything. <laughs> you know, I used to run uh, services on the west side, and there was always a certain flight pattern. When people came in, it was always the outer perimeter. It was first, and last but not least, had to sit up near the railway, so. Okay, here we are. I'm great to be here. Thank you, Nalini, for introducing me hosting tonight. Um, It's great to be here. It's great to see such kind of vibrant program here in the city. So uh, my name is Alvin Goldhart, and I'm just going to start with a little story, set the tone, and then we're going to get straight to the presentation. So uh, there's a cute story about a rabbi at the turn of the century, previous century. He lived in Texas, and he wanted to go from Dallas to Houston, Dallas to Houston. So he uh, goes down the uh, street to the train station, and he says, I want a ticket on the train to Houston. So the person behind the window says, you know, sorry, Rabbi, I are no more seats on the train." He goes, what am I going to do? I want to get to Houston. It's not a problem. You can always write stagecoach. Stagecoach? Where do I get a stagecoach? Well, you go down the street, make a right, you'll see a ticket window, and you'll ask the person for a ticket to stagecoach to Houston. So Rabbi goes, okay. So he walks down the street, makes a right, gets to the ticket window, and he says, I want a ticket on the stagecoach to Houston. So the person behind the window says, you know, sorry, Rabbi, no more seats on the stagecoach. He goes, I going to do? I'm going to get to Houston. It's not a problem. You can always ride shotgun. Shotgun? What shotgun? Well, what happens is the passengers, they'll go sit inside the stagecoach. You'll go sit outside next to the driver. We'll give you a rifle. And if you see any dangerous Indians or bandits along the way, you tell the driver, he'll stop the stagecoach, and you shoot. The driver goes, okay. So gets up next to the uh, driver, gives him a rifle. The passengers get inside the stagecoach, and off they go towards Houston. Anyway... Time passes. Sure enough, the rabbi calls uh, calls out, driver, driver, I see someone, I see someone. So the driver says, rabbi, how big is he? He goes, he's about this big. He said, too far, rabbi, you'll never hit him. Rabbi goes, okay. So they drive on. more time passes. The rabbi calls it again. Driver, driver, I see someone, I see someone. The driver goes, rabbi, how big is he now? He's about this big. Rabbi goes, still rabbi, too far away. You'll, you'll never hit him. Rabbi goes, okay. So more time passes. Sure enough, Rabbi calls it a third time, De'Vivah, De'Vivah, I see someone, I see someone. Rabbi goes, Rabbi, how big is he now? He goes, he's about this big. He goes, okay, Rabbi, shoot, shoot. He goes, how can I shoot him? I know him since he's this small. Anyway, I always like to say that in life you meet people on your journeys, as you teach or as you learn. But people you've known since they're very small, you're really small. Those are companions you have for life. You know, whenever you meet an old friend from school, you can always just sort of kick off the relationship where you left off. It's a companion. And the way our tradition is designed, and which is quite compelling, that the Torah, five books of Moses, our tradition is designed to be a companion through life. Whether you're 7, 17, or 70, the relationship just always deepens and deepens and deepens. And that's the way it's designed. And I found that very compelling. Uh, for myself, I started out when I was uh, just post high school, going to college, learning. And I was very, found that idea very, very compelling. The Torah just deepens as you mature. But I found after some time that it'd be quite daunting and difficult and intimidating. Actually, how do you actually get the entire Torah down? I found I'd go through one year after the next, and sometimes it'd be back at Genesis, and I'd literally feel like I'm back at the beginning again. Like, I forgot so much, and some weeks, it's just like a chalant. You know, there's so many different things in the Parsha, it's hard to know what's going on. And before you know it, a few weeks go by, and it's dust, almost. So I spent a lot of my time trying to figure out, how do I master all this and get the big picture? And so we would surely start to develop things and develop many, many different courses. But the foundation of all learning is the Torah. So this is going to be our goal for tonight. Our goal for tonight is to go through the entire Torah, all five books of Moses, from beginning to end. And by the end of this, you will have the following. Goal number one is you're going to have a table of contents clear in your mind's eye. You're going to have a table of contents. If I ask you where golden calf is, you'll say Exodus, Parsha number nine. If I say sin of the spies, book of Numbers, Parsha number four, where do you have Kohanim, Cohens, and in the Torah you'll say, Exodus the 8th, 11th Parsha, by Leviticus, 2nd, 3rd, 8th Parsha, the Midbar, the 5th Parsha. You're going to have a map in your mind of the entire Torah. Look at this, but that's going to be goal number one. Goal number two is, more importantly, just seeing the table of contents, but it's actually getting a sense of the organization of the Torah, because even though it feels like we often get off on tangents, and it's, it's easy to get lost in the desert for 40 years, the reality is there is a structure. There's a sensibility, and when you go through one partial week, over the course of the year, it's sort of, don't get that momentum you really need. At one point for myself, I'd, I'd read one partial day. I'd read one partial day every two months, I'd finish the tour, and that helped me kind of see the big picture. So you're gonna see, if I ask you where, you know, Middle East peace process, or lack of it, where would you find it, you'll know where, issues of love, relationship, marriage, you'll know where to intuit to find things, issues, topics related to evil. You'll be able to sense where things are so the towards more of your companion. And that's really my goal. My goal is by the end of this evening, you can walk away and really have a feeling that you know what? You can actually not just go to a, a class and listen to the other person's talking, but you have a map in your entire mind and you can start to integrate your own knowledge and build very systematically. That's gonna be our goal. Yes. Can I, I have a moment, is there, are you idiot, that there's sort of like- I am totally, even more than insinuating. I, I'm, like, I'm going for it. I'm going to actually say there really is total structure. That's what we're going to, we're going to look for. Um, so the way we're going to do it is, and by the way, at the end of the, the night, we do everything, you know, um, my, our goal is going to be, we're going to review this together by memory. We're going to review the entire Torah together by memory, and it should take us no more than three minutes to review the entire Torah by the end of it, three minutes flat. That's going to be our goal, okay? The way I'm going to do is, is I'm going to put information up on a screen. This is my first time I'm using my iPad with my iPhone. So hopefully everything will go fine. But if not, if there's any, any problems, no problem. I have a backup plan. So I have, I have that skill. Yeah. I'm going to put information up on the screen. I can explain things step by step. And I'm going to ask you all collectively just to repeat what I've said to make sure it's very clear. And you'll see there's a very effective way to mass a lot of material very, very systematically step by step so you get it, own it, and it's yours. Um, so with that, I'm going to ask you to please rise. Just shake it out a little bit. You know, it's going to be high, very interactive, so you know, just take a few deep breaths, let the sushi go down. But it's going to be interactive. I do have handouts. Fortunately, I apologize. I didn't bring enough, but I'm going to make sure that you have this. So everything I'm going to say tonight, you're going to know by memory, but you will have a handout at the end, so you don't even actually have to take notes if you don't want to uh, on the presentation. Okay, please be seated. Okay, our goal is to get the Torah at our fingertips and we're going to go step by step. So, this is what we're going to do. We're going to start big picture, macro, and then we're going to go little by little through, the, through each one. Of course, like this the Torah is divided we know, into five books. There are 54 partials. There are 12 partials in book number one, 11 partials in book number two, 10 in book number three, 10 in book number four, and 11 partials in book number five. Once again, let's stick from the top. There are 12 parts in book number 1, 11 and 2, 10 and 3, 10 and 4, 11 and 5. 12, 11, 10, 10, 11, 12, 11, 10, 10, 11. By the end of this evening, you're going to know what's inside each of these 12, 11, 10, 10, 11 parts. So let's review. How many parts are there in book number 1? And book number 2? And book number 3? And book number 4? And book number 5? 11. Great. Excellent. Let's do that again. How many are in book number 1? 12. And book number 2? 11. Book number 3? 10. Book number 4? 10. Book number 5? Great, bonus round all together. (laughs) How many are in book number 3? 10. How many in book number 1? 12. How many in book number 5? 10. How many in book number 2? 11. How many in book number 4? 10. Great, so once again we have 12, 11, 10, 10, 11. By the end of this evening you'll know what's inside each of these 12, 11, 10, 10, 11 Okay, we're going to start back room. And then we'll go micro, book by book. So we're going to start, the Torah's divided into two main parts. I'm going to put a line between book number one, Genesis, and the rest of the Torah, the next four books. We're going to say this, book number one deals with the family of Israel. It starts with the creation, God creates the world, Adam and Eve, and we're going to see mankind develop. The focus is then going to narrow down on one individual, Abraham and his wife Sarah, and they're going to start building a family, and over a certain number of generations, by the end of book number one, we're going to have a family called Israel, Israel, that we be nestled in the land of Mitzrayim of Egypt, and that's book number one. Books two, three, four, and five is then a look at the nation of Israel, meaning in book number two, that family has now grown to a nation in the land of Egypt, and the rest of the Torah is how the nation travels from Egypt through the desert to the borders of the land of Canaan. So book number one is about the family of Israel, book number two is the nation of Israel. Book number one is the... And book number two is the nation. nation. Great. Now, we're going to subdivide the last four books. Two, three, four books. Two, three, four deal with the actual development of the nation, meaning it's in these three books that the nation's growing and changing step by step as they go from Egypt to Sinai and through the desert. So we're seeing the events happen on the ground. Book five is then a review by Moses. Moses is our leader. He's introduced in the book, beginning of book number two. And he's going to do a review of what happened in books two, three, and four, as he prepares us to go into the land of Israel without him. He's not going to be allowed to take us in. We'll see why. We just actually covered this in the uh, weekly Torah portions last week. We're going to go through this, uh, but it's the review as he prepares us to go in without him. So it's the review by Moses. So books two, oops, books. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Me here. Good. So books two, three, four is the actual development, and book five is the. Review. review by Moses. Right, so already we have a semblance of organization. Book five is set off on its own, that's reviewed by Moses. Book one, the family of Israel. And the middle of three books is the development of the nation. Clear so far? Alright, so let's do a little review and then we're going to go book by book. Here we go. Towards dividing into five books, 54 parts. How many parts book number one? Five. Five. And book number two? Eleven. And book number three? Ten. And book number four? Seven. And book number five? Eleven. Great. Towards dividing to two parts. Book number one deals with the yeah. family. So two, three, four, five deals with the nation. nation. And then the middle three deal with the actual development. Nine. Book five is the three. review. Great. I was actually in a school in Los Angeles, and I did this presentation. And a, a, um, a fourth grade girl actually asked me. She said, wait a minute. If we're all part of the same family, how come we're allowed to marry each other? <laughs> Good question. How, wait, we're, all, we're all related. How does that work? Hmm. Is that... whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I'll tell you what I said. What do you think? Yeah, we're all related. We're all related. Does it doesn't make sense? We just to in What's that? <laughs> right, yeah. You, can, you can't marry immediate family. But we're all family. You just can't marry immediate family. <laughs> Very good. Okay, great. All right, so now we're ready to go into book number one, the book of Genesis. Okay, how many parches are there in book number one? Well, well, well okay, they can be divided into two sections. Parches one and two deal with the first. 20 generations of mankind. God creates a world. There's light, sky, vegetation, stars, planets, birds, fish, animals. Then there's man. This is good, this is good, this is good, this is good. This is good. Man is created, and then we're going to see there's going to be a decline. Things aren't going to go well, which we're going to cover through these 20 generations in those two parts. By the end of portion number two, God is no longer interested in dealing with mankind as a whole. The focus goes on one individual, Abraham, and the rest of this book, the next 10 partages, deal with the four generations of Abraham's family. We're going to see this dynasty develop, Abraham and Sarah and their children and grandchildren and so on, and they're going to build this dynasty, the first family, so to speak, of the Jewish people. So we have four, 20 generations in Parts 1 and 2, four generations from 3 through 12. How many generations in the first generation the first two portions? 20, 20. 20, and the next 10 portions, we have? 4. 4, good. So what happens in these first two portions? So we know God creates a world... And uh, this is good, this is good. Man is created, he's very good, placed in the garden of Eden. He's told he can eat from every tree except for one tree, the tree of knowledge. Knowledge of good and evil. The day he eats from that tree, he will die. Which doesn't literally mean he'll die that instant, but he'll become a mortal being. Adam, Adam could have been lived forever if he hadn't eaten from the tree. But if he eats from it, he'll become mortal. Then God says, um, it's not good for man to be alone. He has to name the animals. In naming the animals, Adam discovers that he doesn't have his own partner. He's put to sleep. The woman is created. And then the serpent comes along, gets the woman to eat from the tree of knowledge. She feeds Adam. And they are cursed. The snake is cursed. The woman is cursed. And the land is cursed because the man. What was the uh, curse for the serpent? <coughs> right, he's always going to crawl on the ground. He'll have to always eat dust. Right? And there's going to be always tension between the serpent and the woman. Right? So there's, each one is cursed. We're just going to call that the story Adam and Eve. But just for short, I'm just going to say Adam. Then we have generation number two, Cain and Abel. Now, Cain and Abel, one was a farmer, one was a shepherd. Do you know which one Cain was? He was the farmer. He was the farmer. Very good. Now, I used to always forget which was which, who was who. So uh, the way I remember is Abel in Hebrew is Hevel. Hevel means pointless. Pointless. And Abel, Abel said, you know, it's pointless to work with the earth because it's been cursed because of our father. So I'm not going to work with the earth. I'm going to work with animals. And that's why uh, he becomes a shepherd. Cain becomes a farmer. They bring offerings to God from their respective workplace. Abel from his uh, animals and Cain from the ground. But Abel brought his choices. God prefers Abel's. Cain gets jealous, kills his brother, and Cain is cursed. you know what the curse of Cain was? Be a wanderer. He's always have to wander over the face of the earth. He's never going to find one place to settle. He will always be unsettled, always on the move. So we have Adam and Cain in partial one, Adam and Cain in number one. Then by the end of part number one, ten generations pass, and mankind has become so corrupt. There's intermingling in the species, there's disrespect for personal property, there's rampant theft, and God says, I'm going to wipe everything off the face of the earth by means of a flood. And we have this flood story in partial number two. Everybody but Noah. His three sons, his wife, their three wives. They'll go uh, and they'll, sa- they'll sail off with all the different species to see the second civilization of man. How long was the flood for? Forty days and forty nights. forty days and forty nights is how long it rained for? And the waters were actually on the earth for an entire year. So he was actually in the ark for an entire year. Finally the waters subside, they come out, and the world has changed dramatically after <coughs> the flood you know some of the changes after the flood? Change number one, mankind's lifespan was diminished. He used to live centuries, now 120. Two, he could eat meat. Before, Adam could only eat vegetation. Now he can actually eat meat. Their seasons were introduced. This idea that before the flood, there was always a temperate beautiful environment. After the flood, seasons are introduced, so man becomes sensitive to the passage of time and his own mortality. Anyway, so they have, they come out, they start to populate the world, and then one last thing happens, they all decide mankind to travel to a valley called the Valley of Shinar, and they decide they're going to build a massive tower and a city, and that way they'll never get scattered, they'll make an identity for themselves, they'll be one collective, and that's the Tower of Babel, right, Tower of Babel. The reason they were able to actually start building it is because mankind spoke one language. So there's this great opportunity for world unity, they ended up using it to really create a plan to fight a war against God. That's part of what I'm saying is they actually meant to climb the tower and kind of take the heavens as well. God sees what they're doing. He says, look, with one language, they had such potential, and look what they're doing with it. So mankind would eventually, measure for measure, he scattered them and, into different languages and confused man. And Babel in Hebrew comes with the root mibubal, confused. Like people literally became confused because they couldn't understand each other Anymore. So that's the story of the building of the Tower of Babel. And as a result of this, 70 different nations are introduced in the Torah at this point. 70 different nations at that story. So Adam and Cain in one, flood and tower in two. So let's do a little review. Partia number one, we have the story of Adam and, Eve. and Cain and Abel. And part two, we have the flood and the... Once again, partia number one, we have the story of Adam and Abel. And partial two, we have the flood and the... Where do we have murder for the first time in the Torah? Good. Where do we have buildings so far in the Torah? Tower. Tower. Good. What else is built? The Art. Ark, right. Two major things are built in part number two. Good. Where do we have animals so far in the Torah? Noah. Noah, right. Good. And the serpent. the serpent, right? So the animals are going to be all over. Good. So we have Adam and Cain in one, and flood and tower in two. By the end of Part two, God is no longer interested in dealing with mankind as a well. whole. Abraham is introduced with his wife Sarah. And this is where it begins to change over years. So this is the way it works. Parsons 3, 4, and 5 is the life of Abraham and Sarah. Abraham is introduced at the age of 75. And that's when he's given the mandate to travel to this land, to become a great nation, will be a source of blessing for all the nations in the world. He's going to go through 10 major tests. The first major test, or one of them, was leaving everything behind, his society, his family, his community, and go into the unknown. God even t- did not even tell him which land he's going to. The 10th major test was, was big, sacrificing. Right, sacrificing his son Isaac, which is the end over here in impression number four. That's when he's giving up his son, which they waited their entire life on a time for. Always like to say that the first major test was giving up his past. The second major test was really giving up his future. Right? To realize that life is life, whether you have a past or don't a future, whatever the Almighty's will is, that's existentially meaningful. So 3:45 is the life of Abraham and his wife Sarah. They go through 10 major tests. Then, Parsha 6 is the life of Isaac and his wife, Rebekah. Isaac gets very little time in the Torah. His life is really eclipsed. Even in this Parsha, this is where they have uh, their two sons, Jacob and Esau, who are twins. They're fighting in the womb. They come out. This is where Jacob purchases the uh, birthright from his brother, Esau, who's very really hungry. He sells it for a bowl of soup. And then later on, at the end of the Parsha, Jacob goes in disguise as his brother. Esau is a hairy guy wearing this mantle. And Isaac, by that time, has become blind. He ends up blessing Jacob, disguised as his brother. And Jacob ends up getting the blessings, which is the future leadership of the Jewish people. So even in this Parsha, Jacob and Esau sort of start to take prominence. By the end of Parsha number 6, Jacob has to run for his life because Esau wants to kill him. Esau wants to kill him. Parsha 7 and 8 is the life of Jacob, who marries two sisters, Rachel and Leah. He works for 20 years, and we know the story, where he worked seven years to marry the woman of his dreams, Rachel, but his father-in-law Laban was a very tricky guy, and he ended up switching the older sister to Leah for Rachel. So he ends up being there for 20 years, and it's here that Jacob ends up having his 11 of his 12 sons. So this is the 12 tribes are sort of born during this section. Finally, he leaves. He makes peace with Esau. And then finally, the last section of this book, verses 9, 10, 11, 12, is the story of Joseph and his brothers. Now Joseph is the favored son of Jacob. Why was Joseph more favored than the other sons? He, he okay, he had OK, he definitely had dreams. He had definitely dreams which were very similar to his father's ability to interpret dreams. What was else about, Jacob, about Joseph that made uh, Jacob love him more? Right, he was Rachel's firstborn son. Like, Jacob worked really seven years to marry Rachel, but he ended up getting Leah. So Joseph was the firstborn son of Rachel, even though in the birth order he was the 11th son. But he ended up giving all his attention, most of his attention, to Joseph. So the brothers become jealous. He gets this beautiful coat. Then he has these dreams of grandeur. He's going to rule over the family. The brothers get jealous and threatened. So in partial number nine, they end up selling Joseph down as a slave, down to the land of Egypt. Part number 10... Joseph has risen to prominence. He interprets Pharaoh's dreams that he sees a, for, um, a, a famine on the way that's going to wipe out much of the land unless they prepare. Meanwhile, the brothers come down to Egypt because of that famine, and we have this dramatic story where Joseph doesn't reveal his identity. Meanwhile, he's become viceroy of Egypt working for Pharaoh. Eleven, they finally make peace, and Jacob comes down with his whole family of 70 individuals. And finally, the last parsha, Jacob blesses all his sons, gives them a sense of their identity within the greater picture of who the Jewish people will be. He dies, and eventually Joseph dies. And Joseph is put in an ark, in a coffin, and sunk into the Nile. So 9, 10, 11, 12 is Joseph and his brothers. I always like to say or point out that of 12 parches, one third, four of them, relate to Joseph and his brothers. So the conflict between Joseph and his brothers is actually a big source of conflict amongst the Jewish people. Like we, we see it's a pattern that's going to be reflected throughout history. So let's do a little review. 3, 4, 5 is the life of Abraham. 6 is Isaac, right? 7, 8 is Jacob or Jacob. 9, 10, 11, 12 is Joseph and his brothers. Great. One more time, let's just get down, and then we're going to... 3, 4, 5 is the life of... 6 is... 7, 8 is... 9, 10, 11, 12. Great. So we've now concluded Genesis, the first book of the Torah. Great. Now, I just want to... We can do a little review and then I want to show you something fast about the timeline in to the Torah. How many parches are there in Genesis? Great. Twelve. Divided okay, into two sections. How many generations of the first two parches? And the next ten? Four. Good. Partia one and two, the story of Adam and as well as good. partial two, the story of the and the three, four, five, the life of Six is. to nine twelve. Feels like you're catching a wave. It's like just catching a wave. Good, now I just want to show you something fascinating about the timeline of the Torah. The first two parts, you know how many years passed in those first two parches? It's really surprising, a grand total of 2000, 2,023 years. So we're whizzing through time in those first two parches, and we're just looking at the major events that shaped the course of history, major events. Then from 3 down to 12, the next 10 parches, we slow down considerably, we only cover a grand total of 286 years. So instead of looking at epic events, we're looking at personalities, relationships, character dynamics within the family, just to complete the picture. The rest of the Torah, right from Book Two, if you go from if you go from the end of Parsha number one from Book Two, Exodus, all the way to the end of the Torah, how many years pass in those 41 parshas? Is surprising. A grand total of 40 years. 40 years. The way we know that is Moses goes down to Egypt at the age of 80 to get us out, and he dies at the end of the Torah at age 120. So only 40 years pass. But really to make it even more compelling, over here in Parsha number 6 in the fourth book, which is last week's Torah reading, we actually skipped 38 years. We skipped 38 of the 40 years right here in the middle of the Parsha. So you're actually only getting two years, an in-depth look at two years of the Jewish people's development as a nation. Interesting, isn't it? All right, so with that, let's do a little review. Towards the Torah's mind to find books, 54 partitions. How many parts in book number one? Five. And book number two? Five. Book number three? Ten. Book number four? Ten. Book number five? Book number five? The to two parts. Gen- first book deals with the family of Israel. Two, three, four, five deals with the nation. nation. Then the middle three deal with the actual. And book five is the. Review. Good. Then we go to Genesis, the 12 parches. The first two, how many generations? 20. Next ten. partial one, Adam three. and. And. Marsha two. And. Two. Two. and. Three, four, five. Abraham <laughs> right. six. Yeah, exactly. Seven, eight. 9, 10, 12, good. How many years in the first two Parsha's? 2,023, good. And the next 10? 286. Great, okay. Now we're getting to the book of Exodus. Now Exodus has, we know, 11 parches. And we're going to start with the big picture, and then we'll break it down step by step. So Exodus divided into three main sections. Parsha's 1, 2, 3, 4 It's Jews in the land of Egypt. Jews in the land of Egypt. We'll go through that step by step in a moment. Once we get out of Egypt, partages 5 and 6, that's where we accept the Torah. We're standing in front of Mount Sinai, and that's when the Ten Commandments are given after getting out of Egypt 50 days later. 5 and 6. 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. These last five partages deal with the tabernacle. The tabernacle is a portable sanctuary in the desert. We're going to be commanded to build it. God's going to give the instructions on the design. And then we're going to travel with the tabernacle <coughs> through the desert until we get into the land of Israel. So once again, it's one, two, three, four. Jews in the land of? Egypt. Five and six, we get the? Four. And seven, Whoever building the? Tabernacle. Okay, now what happens? So the Jews are in Egypt, and then at the beginning of Exodus, we hear that we're growing rapidly. We're having lots of children. Pharaoh's getting nervous. He says, if they continue to reproduce at this rate, if we're ever attacked by the enemy, the Jews will join up. That's like the fifth column, and they're going to join up with their enemy and betray us. And they'll take over our land. So we better begin the enslavement. Partial one is the enslavement. First he decides he's going to give us labor. Hopefully that will stem our growth and reproduction. Doesn't work. Then he gives us backbreaking labor. That doesn't work. Then he has Jewish midwives trying to kill the babies at birth. That doesn't work. And eventually he decides to drown all newborn baby boys in the Nile. Now Moses is born in this Parsha. Uh, he's saved by being put in the basket. He ends up being saved by Pharaoh's daughter, Batya. She raises him under Pharaoh's nose, right in the palace of Egypt. And then when he gets older, he identifies with the suffering of the Jewish people. He sees an Egyptian assaulting the Jew. He ends up killing the Egyptian. He has to run for his life to the land of Midian. It's there he meets his wife, Sipporah. He ends up staying in Midian, this country, outside of Egypt, to the age of 80. And that's when God appears to him by the burning bush and says, "Okay, I want you to go down to get the Jewish people out. It actually took seven days to convince Moses to actually go down. He felt he wasn't the man. He can't speak. He's got Aaron, his older brother. He came with lots of reasons why he couldn't do it. Eventually, he he sat down. He goes in front of Pharaoh, and Pharaoh makes a big uh, mockery of uh, Moses. And he ends up making our labor worse by not giving us the materials to maintain our quota. Question? I have a question. I don't know if this makes sense, but if Moshe was born and was 80 years old in his parasha, but when he yeah, that's why I said it was the end of the first Parsha. Oh, by the end yeah, Right, good. by the end of the right. Yeah, you're right. So uh, it's actually, you know how long the Jews were in Egypt for? 210 years. So actually in that Parsha, I've had brought it up, 210 years passed in that first Parsha, kind of reviewing the... So that's the like enslavement. By the end, by that Parsha, everybody's upset. The Jewish people are upset with Moses. Moses is upset with God. Like, what did you send me down for? It's a big flop. Anyway, God says, we've got a plan, and we have 10 plagues. And Parsha 2, be the first seven plagues. Blood, frogs, lice, wild animals, pestilence, boils, hail. (laughs) And then, part 3, the last three plagues, locusts, darkness, and then the final plague was death of the firstborn, right? And finally, the exodus. And it's here that the Jewish people are given the commandments to observe Passover. We have that night when the Egyptians are being wiped out, the firstborn of Egypt being wiped out. We're celebrating our first Passover, and then we leave the next day after being in Egypt for a grand total of 210 years. Finally, in Parsha number four, instead of taking us their direct route towards Israel, God doesn't do that. He takes us to the banks of the Red Sea. It makes it look looks like we're trapped. So the Egyptians come after us, trying to get us back as we're asleep. but But really, it's a setup to get the Egyptians after us, and then we know the miracle occurs. The water splits, and the Jewish people cross en masse, and we have the splitting of the Red Sea. Eventually, the waters come down, and the Egyptians... I always like to say, in partial number three, that's when we get the Jews out of Egypt. But in partial number four, that's when we get the Egyptian out of the Jew. Because when you finally see the Egyptian taskmasters go down, all their might sink, then we're more psychologically free from Egypt. By the way, that's why Passover and the Torah is a seven-day holiday. Because the first day on Passover, we're celebrating the exodus from Egypt. The seventh day we're celebrating, it's putting in the sea. So those are the bookends of freedom. Good. So let's do a little review. One is the enslavement. Two is the first seven plagues. Three is the next three plagues and the exodus. Partion number four, the Red Sea splits. So partial number one is the? Partion number two, the first? Seven plagues. Partion number three, the next? Three Good. And partial number four? Red Sea splits. Red Sea splits. Good. Fifty days after getting out of Egypt, we're now standing at the foot of Mount Sinai, and that's when God gives over the Ten Commandments of the Jewish people. Now, I just want to point out, It was never the plan that God would speak to us all collectively, directly, and say the Ten Commandments. It says in the Torah, verse number five, God tells Moses, look, I'm going to speak to you in a cloud. The Jewish people will hear me speak to you, and then they will know that you really are a prophet. Because the big big, um, issue here is in terms of starting a people with a Torah and a constitution that comes from God is... They have to believe that Moses really is a prophet. And even with all the miracles that occurred up until now, there'll still be an element of doubt. They they could still make excuses how it could have happened. So the only way for God to speak to get around that is, I'm actually going to speak to you in a cloud. They will hear the prophecy occur, and then they will know that you're really our prophet. But when we heard that plan, we said to Moses, we'd rather God speak to us directly. So God says, fine, prepare for three days, and I'm going to speak to you collectively. So that's when the Ten Commandments were given. But tradition says that out of the Ten Commandments, only the first two were given directly to the Jewish people, because every time a commandment came out of God's mouth, our souls popped out of our bodies. It was way too intense to hear the creator of the universe talk. So our souls popped out of our, universe, uh, of our bodies. We got to need to be revived. Second Commandment, same thing happened. By the end of the Second Commandment, we said to Moses, look, we believe you, we trust you, you go up and get the rest. We can't take this anymore. And that's why you can see a hint to this in the Torah that the first two commandments are on the first person. I am the Lord your God who took you out of Egypt. Don't have false gods before me. But the third commandment is don't say God's name in vain because that's already Moses giving over the rest of the Ten Commandments. So that's, uh, that's what happened there. So we get the Torah in Parsha 5 and 6. Then 7 through 11, we're building this tabernacle. Now, to understand the tabernacle, we're going to organize it this way. Parts 7 and 8 go together, parts 10 and 11 go together, and number 9 stands out on its own. By the end of these, the Ten Commandments, the Jewish people, Moses goes up Mount Sinai, he's there for 40 days. While he's on um, Mount Sinai, God gives over in parts 7 and 8 the instructions on how to be- build this tabernacle. Remember, it's a portable sanctuary in the desert. In parts 7, he talks about the structure and the vessels. There'll be beams, sockets, tent coverings, partitions, the holy, holy areas where the ark will be kept, and the vessels, the different vessels within the tabernacle, which will be part of the service. There'll be an ark, right, where the Ten Commandments will be kept. There'll be a menorah, candelabra, which was six heads, uh, seven heads, excuse me. They're going to have a table with bread on it. There'll be an incense altar. There'll be a sacrificial altar. So all the design is given exclusively to Moses in part number seven. In portion number eight, we have the priestly garments. We're going to have the Kohanim. A Kohanim is Hebrew for priest. They're going to wear certain vestments. A regular Kohen will wear four. A high priest will wear eight. Anybody here a Kohen? Son of a Daughter of a Kohanim? Yep. Yeah. 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 There you go. So we're have, that's the uh, priestly garments. So seven instruction vessels, eight priestly garments. Seven instruction vessels, eight priestly garments. Seven is? Church. And eight is? Church. Good. Then we're going to skip number nine for a moment. Moses eventually comes down Mount Sinai, and he gives over the instructions on how to build it. and 10, we make the structure and the vessels. We actually get to work on it. In 11, we make the priestly garments, and we assemble the entire thing. And by the end of this book, we have built this tabernacle, and God's presence, so to speak, descends in a cloud over this tabernacle. Wow. You know, the creator of the universe now has a dwelling place amongst the creation within his universe. So that's the way it's organized. What happens in version number 9? A major calamity. The story of the golden cow, or the golden cow. So what happened? So when Moses went up Mount Sinai, he said, look, I'm going to be gone for 40 days. Any problem, speak to Aaron, my brother, or someone called for it. Anyway, the problem was he didn't synchronize the watches, Because when he meant 40 days, he meant start counting at the nightfall, because in Judaism, the day begins at night. It was evening, it was morning, one day. But they counted the day he went up as day number one. So 40 days pass. And Moses has not appeared. And it's the first time they're without their leader. And they panic. And they end up building this calf. They, they, they end up worshiping it. Meanwhile, Moses has just gotten the Ten Commandments that God has inscribed the Ten Commandments on. He tells them, go down. I'm going to wipe out your entire nation. The people are sinning. Um, they're violated. You know, one of the, the Second Commandments, don't have false gods. And uh, Moses says, God forbid, don't do it. He gets God to relent, not to go ahead. He goes down, outside. Sinai. it sees every dancing around, many people dancing around the calf, he smashed the tablets, those who participated are executed, he goes up Mount Sinai for another 40 days, the second time, to get forgiveness, and he goes up for another 40 days, for a third time, finally comes down, 80 days after the events of the golden calf, and that's when he comes down with a new set of tablets, and we get atonement for that sin. What holiday do we mark? At the anniversary, we got atonement for the sin of the golden calf? Yom Kippur, right? The day of atonement, is, Yom Kippur is the day we got atonement initially for the sin of the golden calf. You have a question? Yeah. Um, how do the people at the bottom of the map know that what they were doing was wrong? Because, uh, good question. Because at Mount Sinai, I had the second commandment was the first commandment is know, you know that I'm the Lord your God. The false mm-hmm. ones don't have false gods before me. They that exactly, they yeah. They Right, because that, that one was already spoken out, directed to that. Right, so it was a major, yeah. Commodity. Yes? You say all the people who participated were destroyed, It's not everyone participated. In right, actually a very small group. Believe it or not, ran to about 3,000 people out of 3 million. So even though a small group participated, all the Jewish people are seen as culpable. So of course, they, they didn't, the Jewish people weren't wiped out, but those who actually did, the 3,000, they did get it. Yes. Um, so it seems like a little bit of like a silly mistake in terms of the counting. Like didn't God foresee that happening? Like why why did they just clarify before he went off right start? <laughs> 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 like, let's get this straight? Uh, well it's it, it's it's true. It, it, it's, all, it does strike me as sort of like yeah, you know, it's just like a logistical error. Yeah, you, know, you just you know <laughs> but think about it, you know, Moses is not a peer. So besides building a golden calf, what could they have done? But before you left right well well he did he did say you know he did say star counting I mean they, they, I'm it's a good question you know they just couldn't get you know their terms straight it's a good question I, I don't know but uh, but the fact of the matter it was an opening it was an opening for the Jewish people to make music because they didn't have to do that make a golden cap, they could have sent a search party they could have had a prayer assembly they could have appointed Aaron as the interim leader they could they could' have done anything but the point of the Golden Caps is to show you that in life, people either feel they're here with a purpose, and they're under the care of God, or they feel somewhat vulnerable and as if they could be abandoned. And the Jewish people felt abandoned, which was a mistake, because look what God has done for them. So brought out, the sin ended up bringing out a vulnerability that they weren't ready to, they weren't there yet. Yes? Um, how many like days or years or whatever since they were, uh, they left the future? Oh, very good question. Fifty days after getting Egypt, they get the Torah. Forty days later is the sin of the golden calf. Ninety days. And by the way, we're going to have the sin of the... Uh, we're going to be a fast day coming up. The 17th of Tammuz uh is coming up. It's going to be on Sunday. We're observing it. That's the, the day we mourn. We fast because of the sin of the golden calf. We can't do the foot of that sign up. Like, what do they do? Like, what, is, like, what do they do? Oh, the well, what do they do? <laughs> 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 well, they don't do any washing because their clothes grew on them. The food fell from the heavens, so there was no cooking. So they weren't they, they were just there. They were there, they were camped. They're camped and they're were, their were owning. Yes. Okay. Oh. So then like why do they lose their faith in like people more religious because it's like little <laughs> mistake? Like is it just, like It's a good question, yeah. It's 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 like this. In a relationship. You know, <coughs> in, a, in a relationship, there's always a testing period. Does he really love me? Does he really like me? Does he really is he really is it real or is it not? And you know, so there's always so there's an understanding that the Jewish people was part of the, the infancy of a relationship. There was still that, that and then remember, three million people in the desert. The man who's been at charge has not appeared. He's been doing everything like clockwork, so they, they felt abandoned. So finally over here, we have the, the building of the, 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 um, the tabernacle and God's presence come down, and that is the conclusion of the book of Exodus. Yes? Chronologically, I'm pretty sure these partios, the last ones, are not Yes. So I'm wondering. <laughs> okay, good. I I, I just bump on it. It's good. Okay. Chronology, it's, it's correct. Your name is for saying this. Okay. Kylan. Kylan. So it's like this. There's a there's a question. The, the, according to some opinions, the golden calf happened, and as a result of the golden calf, we needed to build the tabernacle. So these two parshas actually were were set in the you know they actually occurred after the sin. Because now that we needed something physical to put our energies towards, so the tabernacle becomes a kosher way to do that. Another opinion is, is that no, the vision after Sinai was to always build a tabernacle, and in which case the instructions came here, even before. Yes? When did uh, when. Yeah, so actually it's interesting. Shabbat is mentioned six times in this book. Although the first time is over here by the Red Sea. After coming out, we get the, the month starts to fall. We learn about the idea of working, uh, not moving, uh, not doing any work to prepare our food. So Shabbat is introduced here. It's then given over by the Ten Commandments. It's uh, reiterated right over here. And then we have it over here once again, and a second time over here. So it's the, the, the Shabbat, in terms of what you're mentioning, Shabbat is defined by the work you can do to build a tabernacle. It's, it's over here a number of times, three different times over here in this section. Shabbat is it mentioned. Earlier. It's introduced in terms of the mud of falling from the heavens that you can't go out and do your work. That's why we have right. two chalas. That comes from this part over here. Yeah. All right, with that, we've concluded the book of Exodus. Very good, I appreciate it. I it. In terms of time wise, are we comfortable? Like, uh, are you comfortable I mean, we're, we're doing great. I just, we're doing okay? The, the two chalas that we have, the reason we have two chalas is because you don't need to do work. There was a double portion of manna fell on the Sabbath, on Fridays, so the Jewish people didn't have to work. They okay. to go and collect it on, on the Sabbath. Okay. So that was over here after the story of the Red Sea. Okay. Okay. Yeah. What are like, the other details of five and six? Oh, five and six, OK, just, they're all together 70 different commandments mentioned here. 17 in this part fifty-three this part. But you have here, in that- essence, the Ten Commandments, and then fifty-three and Parsha number six—it's all the social laws. It's called Mishpatim. And ox, scores, theft, assault, and injury—many, many, fifty-three different commandments are mentioned in that Parsha, along Parsha number six. But together, they comprise the events of about sonnet. So let's do a little review. All right, here we go. <laughs> here we go. Okay, so Exodus—the first four Parshas—the Jews in the land of. 5 and 6 is when we get the Torah. And 7 through 11, are building that. Good. Then, back in partial 1, Egypt, is, we have the enslavement. enslavement. Partial 2 is the first. How many plays? 7. Seven. partial 3, the next. Three. And, Three. The, Three. and the Exodus. partial 4. Four. Four. 5 and 6, we get the Torah. 7 through 11, are building the tabernacle. 7 and 8 go together. 10 and 11 go together. Partial number 9 stands out on its own. 7, we get, Moses get the instructions for the structure and the? 8 is. for the? Five. 9, the story of? 10 Nation builds the and 11 to make the environments and the assembly. And Great. Again, by the end, the, the cloud descends, and we have the um, tabernacle that stands. How much time has passed? We're now just shy of one year of being outside of Egypt. A two, year, two, more, two weeks before the actual anniversary of Passover, the tabernacle is inaugurated. Yes? Okay, so at the end of this book, like where are we located? Sinai. We're not gonna we're not gonna move at the foot of Mount Sinai until numbers one and three, question three. So we're we're gonna be at the, so still the bottom of we have still, the bottom. still at Sinai. Still still at Sinai. We are at Sinai. It's amazing. We're there for you'll see. For I'm gonna show you how long. Yeah. Uh, you had mentioned in the um, in Genesis about like the first two building things. So do those have any connection to this third building of the Zabrachel? Yes, but I'm not gonna go there now. But yes, yes, okay. yes. The plot thickens. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I want to show you something fascinating though about the tabernacle. This is really quite surprising. We've seen so far five parches in the book of Exodus that deals with the construction of the tabernacle. Then in book number three, once it's constructed, we don't know what he's what supposed to do with it. In book number three, the first eight parches, eight of ten, we learn about the function. Actually, what do you do with the tabernacle? What do you bring to it? how to use them in the holidays, what's the service within. And then in book number four, the first three parches deal with the encampment. We're going to learn about how the Jewish people lived around the tabernacle. Three tribes on either side, the tabernacle is in the center. So look at this. We have five parches for the building, eight parches for how to use it, three parches for how to live around it. Five plus eight plus three is... 16, 16 right? And we have 11, 10, 10, within these three books that deal with the development of the nation. That's 31 parshas, which means that 16 of 31 parshas, over half of the development of the Jewish people is focused around this tabernacle, right? And then I just want to show you something really neat. See these two parshas here, 9 and 10? The Torah doesn't uh, keep chronological order always, as you, as you brought mentioned, uh, that you have different, sometimes a concept will be juxtaposed with another concept, even though chronologically, historically, it didn't happen there. These two parshas here, the end of the third book, Leviticus, they really belong with over here when we got the Torah. But for whatever reason, not going to go there now, you'll hopefully see more when you get to the third book, they're placed at the end of Leviticus. So if you think about it, from the beginning of the tabernacle story to the end of the tabernacle story, it spans a total of 18 parshas, 16 plus these two, so 18 parshas beginning to end. How many parshas are there in the Torah? 54. What's a third of 54? 18. Look at this. There's 18 parshas before the tabernacle, 18 parshas beginning to end of the tabernacle, and 18 parshas after the tabernacle. So the tabernacle literally is the centerpiece of the entire Torah. Isn't that fascinating? Right. And I think, just in a nutshell, one would say that this is the essence of being a Jew that the thing that makes the Jewish people tick is that we believe our mandate is to use the material universe, the actual materials, the copper, the gold, the wool, the linen, and actually create a place where the creator of the universe can dwell down here in our midst. We believe we have the potential to do that. And that's why the the Temple of Jerusalem is so central. That's why Jerusalem is so central. Because we believe that's our mandate. We can do it. Other than you know, that, that is our, so that's in a nutshell. I think that's kind of fascinating. All right, with that. Let's just do a quick little review, and then we're going to go to book number four, three. Here we go. Towards five, the fifth, five books, fifty-four parts. How many parts of book number one? Twelve. And book number two? Eleven. Book number three? Ten. Book number four? Book number five? five? Good. Towards to two parts. Book number one deals with the family. <coughs> two, three, four, five deals with the nation. And the middle three, the actual development, development. book five, is the review. 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 Good. Then we go to Genesis, the first two parts. How many generations? All right, next, three, four, four. Partial one, the story of? Adam, 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 and Cain Adam, and Abel. Good. Partial two, the story of the? One. And the, and the tower. tower. Three, four, five is? Abraham. Uh, um, um, six, uh, six is? Seven, eight is? Abraham. Uh, uh, nine, uh, nine, ten, eleven, um, twelve? Yes. Joseph. 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 Good, excellent. Genesis. Then we have first four parts to choose in the land of? Egypt. Five and six, we get the? Toro. Seven eleven, building that. Back in one, Egypt, the story of the? Slave. but Parsha 2, how many plagues? Yeah. Parsha 3? 3. three. three. Yeah. And then, that's 5, this is together? Torah 7, 8 go together, Ten, eleven. 11. Number 9 stands out in its own. 7, the structure and the? 8, the priestly. Yeah. 9, 10, the nation builds the structure and vessels. 11, they make the? And they assemble all the thing And turn. 9 is the golden yeah. Excellent. Okay. That not really wrong at all. Okay. Leviticus, <laughs> 10 Parsha's. So we've now learned how the tabernacle looks and what it has in it, in terms of the vessels, but actually what do you do with it, what do you bring to it? So the first two parshas deal with the offerings. Different offerings we would bring from animals, birds, or grains, sometimes out of gratitude, sometimes because we did something wrong, um, different events in the life. So parshas one and two deal with the offerings. Parsha one is the people's wishes with of the offering, meaning if you want to bring an offering, what would you bring, how would you bring it, why would you bring it? Parsha two, it's the priests relationship to the offerings, meaning the Kohens, the ones who actually work within the tabernacle, they will get certain parts of it um, because of their service within it. So they get certain portions of the offering depending on sex. So partial 1 and 2 are the offerings. Partial 1 is the people's relationship, Partial 2 is the... Right, and then 3, it's the story of Aaron becoming the high priest. Aaron is Moses' brother, he's older by 3 years. He is selected to be the Kohen Gadol, the Bikahuna, and uh, he, is, um, he is going to be responsible for the priesthood. At this point in the Torah, Aaron and his four sons become the actual priests. From this point on, anybody who is a blood relative, past father to son, becomes a Kohen. So anybody who knows a Kohen is a direct descendant of Aaron, Moses' brother. That's a, it's a bloodline. And in fact, it's fascinating. about Probably now 20 years ago, in the Technion in Israel they said that if this bloodline exists, there should be a unique marker on Kohen's genes. And they actually discovered what they call the Cohen gene, because being that it's passed on the Y chromosome, father to son, father to son, they see a unique marker. But Aaron becomes the high priest, uh, and this, from this point on, we have a priesthood. The rest of this book, the book of Leviticus, has many different commandments that share a common theme, for the most part. It works like this. Four and five is holiness, of the body. Holiness of the body. How we deal with one another, how we relate, how we speak about people. you probably familiar with the laws of Russian Harad. Speak negatively, gossip, so there's a disease that would come in your body. So we learned all about the family purity laws are mentioned in this section. So holiness of the body, how our body reflects our, uh, our standing. Then six and seven is holiness of the nation. We as a people have a mandate to be holy. So in Parsha 6, we learn about the Yom Kippur service, that every year we wipe away the slate from any transgressions if we repent and God forgives us. And Parsha 7, it's a, it's a Parsha called Kedoshim to you. You should be holy. Now, we don't believe it's just priests, you know, a certain class that should be holy. Every Jew is meant to be holy. And In a nutshell, holiness means to live up to your divine purpose, not to give in to the animal instinct, which we all have, but to realize there's a, a moral way to conduct yourself, with your parents, the environment, Commerce so holiness in the nation. Eight is holiness of the priests and the holidays. Just like there are days within the years that have more sanctity, and therefore you're restricted on what you can do on a Jewish holiday, so do the priests have more sanctity and therefore they're restricted in terms of the way they live their life. For example, where is a coin and a priest not allowed to go? Cemetery. cemetery right? I would like to point out that actually this part opens with you can't go into a cemetery if you're a priest. I would like to point out that you see the distinction between Judaism and Christianity. Because where do you find a lot of churches located? Next to cemeteries. But in Judaism, a priest, a cohen, can't go into a cemetery. Right? Because their focus is very much about getting to the next world, which is pure. Our belief is that we can make this world a sanctified place, and that's the cohen's job. And therefore, we can't have any contact with that. So holiness the priests in the holidays. And then 9 and 10, it's holiness of the land. Israel has its own Sanctity. We have to let, we can work the land for six years, and then the seventh year we have to let the land of Israel have its own Sabbath, that's the Shemitah year which we're in right now. Every 50 years is the Jubilee year, it's another year of rest, and the whole nation will be involved in enriching itself spiritually, and the land gets its rest. So that is because and Let's do a quick little review of this section here. Four and five, holiness of the body. Six and seven, holiness of the nation. Eight, holiness of the priests and the holidays. And nine, ten, holiness of the land. land. Great. Let's do that one TV more time. Four and five is holiness of the Wild. body. Six and seven, holiness of the nation. Eight, holiness of the priests priest and the holidays. Nine, ten, holiness of the land. land. Great. And by the way, um, I remember years ago reading that Simon and Schuster had come out with an edition of the Bible and they completely cut out the third book because they felt it was like irrelevant. But you can see now really, this book is kind of lays out the mandate, the manifesto of what it means to be a Jew very, very, in a very organized way. So that is book number three in a nutshell. Now let's go to that's Leviticus. Now let's go to book number four, book of Numbers. The first three portions are the encampment. We're going to learn about how we live around the tabernacle. Three tribes will live on each side. The tabernacle will be in the middle. And then we're ready to finally travel to... Travel towards the land of Israel. How much time has passed since leaving Partial Number 3 in Exodus, when we left Egypt, to now, when we're about to leave the foot of Mount Sinai? Grand total of just one year. One year. So we've been really camped at Sinai for just under a year. By the way, I forgot to tell you, most of Leviticus, those eight parts that we just went through, the first eight parts, were set on one single day. One single day. Yes. So it's basically like the third book is like they pause like the story and they just tell you all these things. Exactly. Know, then we go back. Yes. Right. Yeah, exactly. we got 247 commandments in that book. It's okay. the greatest amount of commandments are in the book third part. Alright, so now we're took our hands off the pause button, now we're moving. And we encamped. we finally we're finally starting ready to travel. In part number three, the trumpets blow and the Jewish people start their march towards the land of Canaan, the land of Israel. But Partial number four, we say, wait a minute, let's check it out. Let's send in some spies. Well, one spy for each tribe. There'll be 12 all together. And they'll go and they'll check out the land for us. They spend 40 days there. And then they come back and 10 of them give a negative report. They say, yeah, great land, very fertile, look at this fruit, giant. But there are giants living there. There's no way we're going to be successful taking it over. They end up convincing the Jewish people that there's no point. We end up crying all night. Uh, that we don't want to go, and we'd rather die here in the desert than go into the land of Israel and die. And God says, "Fine, you'll die here in the desert, and then your children will walk safely into the land of Israel." So we have, part number four, the story of when we reject the, oops, we reject the land. So the spies was in three or. Four? In four, it's in four. Reject the land. What day do we reject the land in the Jewish calendar? On uh, the Jewish calendar, that's Tisha. Tisha, right? The, so the golden calf was on the seventeenth of Tammuz. That's his Sunday, and then three weeks later we have Tisha B'av, the day that we rejected the land. And that's where we're told terrible things always happen on, have happened on Tisha Destruction of the first, second temple, the uh, Spanish expulsion happened on Tisha B'av, uh, other tragedies, so we reject the land. Parsha five, we rebel against the priests. We say, wait a minute, we don't need a priesthood, why should Aaron become the priest? We are all at Mount Sinai, God spoke to all of us collectively. So why should one part of the nation have more sanctity than the rest of us? So, there's a whole rebellion against Moses and Aaron, and by the end, miracles occur and they show that, yes, in fact, we do need a priesthood. Aaron is the high priest, and that is, uh, that is secure. Partia number six is what I call the old transition partia. This is the old transition partia because it's in this partia that we skip 38 years, and we jump from the second year in the desert to the 40th year. So, it's right in the middle, and that was last week. Last week's story, reading, we're up to this partia now. All right, so that's the old transition partia. Let's do a little review. One, two, three, it's the? Kim. Kim. Parsha four, boom, we reject thee. Parsha five, boom, we rebel against thee. And six is that old? (laughs) Transition, (laughs) Parsha. Then six, seven, eight, nine. These four Parsha's deal with wars. On our march towards Israel, different nations come out to attack us in different ways. Mighty nations in last week's Parsha number six. This week, a nation hires a non-Jewish prophet named Billam to try to curse the Jewish people. Anyway, we have all different wars. And finally, in 8 9 10, a little bit overlap here, but in 8 nine, ten, we have inheritance of the land. Inheritance of the land, meaning, it's a very strange thing if you think about it. That every other nation lives, the people live somewhere, they become more sophisticated, and they develop laws to run their society. We, the Jewish people, are not like that. We have our entire constitution given to us outside of Israel. And now we have to go in, take over land, Dispossess the people who are living there and set it up as our own. So all the laws of how we're supposed to take over the land, how we're gonna divvy it up amongst the different tribes, all that is here in part of the eight, nine, ten. It's inheritance of the land. So once again, six, seven, eight, nine, we're fighting. Wars And eight, nine, ten, it's inheritance of the land. Great. Right. That is the book of numbers. There we go, book of numbers. And the reason it's called numbers is because a number of senses. senses were given, uh, taken, excuse me, during uh, this time. So that is numbers in a nutshell. So let's do a quick little teeny review, and then we'll go and review Moses' review. Here we go. One, two, three is the, again, partial four, we rebel get, reject the, and five, we rebel against the, and six, that all, six, al, six, seven, eight, nine, we're fighting, and eight, nine, ten, it's, inheritance of the land. Great. Okay, now, we're ready almost for Moses' review. Moses is not allowed to take us in because of what happened in last week's portion, number six. Miriam, his sister, passes away. And in her merit, there was this miraculous rock giving forth water, which was making the Jewish people giving them, you know, sustenance in the, in the desert. When she dies, it dries up. The Jewish people complain. God tells him, go speak to this rock, and El will come forth the water. Well, Moses says, he gets upset. The Jewish people are taunting him, and he ends up hitting the rock. And El goes to the water. And God says to him, you fail to sanctify in the eyes of the people. Because if you had spoken to the rock, you would have shown them well, that, look, the physical universe works in tandem with the spiritual universe. All you do is speak, and the physical reality will match my will. But because you hit the rock, it makes it look like there's a dissonance between the physical world and the spiritual world, and as a result, you're not going to be allowed to take the church people in. And that's why book number five is Moses' review, The Last 36 Days of His Life in terms of like building and creating so this shows that like speaking should be able to create things So, but the whole idea of the tabernacle is that you have to physically build it not they said alright like build right right right, right. so like why, why is there like not why is there a difference obviously we're not like magical but like how does that work in terms of creation it would, it would have worked it's a good question like why why don't we just speak and create everything Moses was meant to be the, the king as the king the Jewish people are supposed to follow his will Moses always had a comfortability being in that role. So he was much more comfortable being the stick, just an extension of God, as opposed to being the one who expresses God's will. So it was something to do with Moses himself. Yeah. Yes? When you were talking about the tabernacle before, you said the first in, in um, Exodus was like the construction, and, and the second one, I don't remember what the, the other one The function, was. like the usage. The, the function. function. What was the third? In camping. Right. All right. So now we're ready. Before we get into Moses' review, let's just do one team review. Yes? Where, where did the rock part happen? Partial number six. Okay. That whole transition part. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Numbers. Four is divided to five books, fifty-four parts. How many parts is book number one? One number two? One. number three? One number four? One number five? One. Right, the first book deals with the And family. family. Two, three, four, five deals with the? Mission. Two, three, four is the actual? And five is the? Good. Then the first two Parsha's cover every generation. 20. And the next 10. Parsha 1, Adam M. And Parsha 2. 3, 4, 5. Eight. 6. Eight. 7, eight. 8. 9, 10, 11, 12. Chuck We're almost done. We're almost done. We're almost done. So, yeah, that's great questions. 2023 years. How many years in the last 10 Parsha? 286. 286, good. Alright, then we get to Exodus the first or the, the Egypt. Five and six we get the four. seven who build the ten. back in Egypt is the enslavement, partial two the first. Part three the next. Three. And the Exodus partial four. Let's see five and six we get the Torah. seven through eleven is the tabernacle, seven, eight, ten, eleven, and number nine. Ten the structure, seven is the structure and the eight is right. ten nation builds. Structure is eleven they make the and nine is the oh, yeah. Good, then no, we did it. Leviticus, the first two are the. Oh, close. Is it really fun? Is be it really fun? <laughs> it's, the it's the offerings. It's the offerings. We didn't do a lot of our offerings. One is the people's relationship, two is the priest's relationship Three, Aaron becomes the high priest. Then we like this. Four and five, holiness of the body. Uh, six and seven, holiness of the Eight. nation. Eight, holiness of the priest and the holidays. Nine and ten, holiness of the yes. man. Good. Right, we're almost there. And the numbers, one, two, three is the cabin. Parts of four. We project the land. Five, we and six that old six 7, eight nine we're fighting. And eight nine ten it's. There you go. Great. Okay. Now we get to the final Oops, one second. No, 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 no. One second. That be one second. Okay, so now we get to book number five, which is, oops, okay, book number five, which is Moses' last 36 days of his life, and now he's going to give a speech to the Jewish people preparing to go to the land. First thing he talks about is Moses himself, how they treated him as a leader, and the nations that the nations have their own lands, like Edom, other nations, we can't take over their inheritance, they have their own land. So Moses and the nations, he gives them rebuke, how they treated him, all the complaints, the accusations, uh, and so on. Then, Parsha two, it's God, Torah, and Mitzvahs. GTM, God, Torah, and Mitzvahs. What do you mean by God? Meaning, it's in this Parsha that he talks about the nature of God, so to speak. Shema Israel, Shemel Keno, Shemel God is one. Is in this parsha. There's nothing else besides God, is introduced in this parsha. The Torah. He reviews the giving of the Torah, and the Ten Commandments is in this parsha. And then the Mitzvot, the commandments. Why we keep the commandments. How the nations look up to us uh, as a wise, discerning people. When we keep the commandments. So it's God, Torah, and Mitzvot. So once again, one is Moses and the, the nations. nations, and two it's God, Torah, and Mitzvot. Three, four, five, and six it deals with the land. The focus is now on the land of Israel. In three, he talks about the concept of Israel. He says, you know, Israel's not like the land of Egypt from which you've come. Egypt, the Nile, always overflows the banks every year, like on clockwork, and they always get their bread to the table on time. Not so in Israel. Where does Israel get its water from? Right, Right, Hashem, right, because it's rainfall. And therefore, we have to know that uh, our relationship to Hashem is going to be through... Because then, we'll, get, we'll be secure in the land if we're to have a secure relationship. The second paragraph of the Shema prayer is in the third portion, about rain coming. Four, it's the influences of living in the land. Now they are coming into our mature things, we have to learn how to counter that. So four is the influences of the land. Five is the administration. There'll be judges and police and kings and prophets and the Levine, Levites and people leading you to war. So it's the administration, the leadership. And six, is the social code. Meaning, in this Parsha, we have many commandments which are man-to-man, man-to-woman laws, how we're meant to be a morally enlightened nation, build a morally enlightened nation in our land. There's 74 commandments mentioned alone in that one single Parsha. It's the social code. So once once again, it's three is the concept, four is the influences, five is the administration, and six is the social code, the CIAs. C-I-A-N-E-S so once again we have three as the concept four is the five is the administration six is the social code seven, eight, nine, ten rounding the band we have the covenant Moses is going to bring the Jewish people into one more covenant with God which is going to deepen our relationship with him in seven we learn about the blessings and the curses there'll be peace and prosperity and we'll have to be fine if we're close to God and we're happy when we Keep all the commandments. If we aren't, we do everything, but we're not happy. Then there'll be terrible curses. There are ninety-eight different curses mentioned, everything from uh, mental anxiety and depression to our, our, uh, shortage of rain and famine to wars with our enemies to eventually being conquered by our enemies and then to be driven to exile. All of that is foretold in Parsha number seven: blessings and curses. By the end of Parsha number seven, we were so overwhelmed with fear, like, "Oh my goodness, what do we get ourselves into?" God says, "Don't worry." you have free will. It's your choice. And ways before you, life, death, good, evil, choose life. It's your choice. I can tell you what the paths are. You choose which one you want to go down. But we always have free will. We can always come back also if we've made mistakes. So it's free will. Nine is new leadership. Joshua, who's Moses' prime disciple, he's going to take over the leadership from Moses, being that Moses is not allowed to take us in. So it's new leadership. And ten is the psalm. This entire covenant is encapsulated into a song, which God will, uh, which Moses will teach the Jewish people. The song almost goes like this: well, I'm not singing a song, but it goes. The message is that God does all these great things. He takes us out of Egypt. He brings us to the land, blessed land. And then what do we do? We take it all for granted. We end up just kind of waxing fat. We just take advantage. We forget the Almighty and all the blessings that He's given us. Eventually, he has to wake us up. We get sent to exile, but eventually we'll come back. So. That's the psalm called Hazino. And finally, on the last day of Moses' life, he gathers each of the tribes before him and he gives each one a blessing. He says, "From Judah, you become the great; Judah, you become the great kings of Israel." That's Solomon. David and David Solomon come from Yehuda. Uh, Levites become great teachers. Yisachar, great scholars. Zebulun, great men of commerce. Every every tribe is given its sense of identity within the greater fabric of the nation. And then he's given, taken up a mountain. Mount Niveau. He's given a view of the entire land of Israel from south to north. Um, tradition says he not only saw the entirety of the land, but he saw everything that would ever happen in Israel all the way until the end of days, and then blessed the nation, and then he dies. He's buried. <clears throat> the nation mourns for him for 30 days, and the Torah concludes that never a prophet will rise again like Moses, who had done all these great signs and wonders in front of the, eyes of, in the land of Egypt and from the eyes of the entire nation. And that's the conclusion of the Torah. So let's just do a little over here, this last part. Here we go. Seven blessings and curses, eight you have free will. Nine is new leadership, and ten is the psalm. Let's read that section one that. Seven is blessings and? Eight you have free will. Nine is new. And ten is the And eleven most blessed nation and the gods. And that's the conclusion of the Torah. Joshua was going to to take us into the land of Israel, and he's going to establish this in the land, and then we have the books of the prophets, the writings. That's in the crash course. That's prophets, the writings at your fingertips, of course. Yes. How long did you say this last? Actually? Thirty-six days. Thirty-six days. Thirty-six days, and then they mourn for thirty days. But it's thirty-six days, and then they mourn for thirty days. Okay. Yeah. Which parts? That? Oh, from one to one. One right all the way, yeah, all the way through. Great. Right, so let's just do a quick review. That we're going to do a review there and everything. It shouldn't take us no more than three minutes. Now that we got down, and then we'll conclude in the last week's <coughs> You Ready? Sorry, there's some other question. Oh, well, we we'll can take questions after because okay. I, I know it's getting anyway. Can I record this? What's that? Can I record this? Yeah, yeah, class class sure, sure, yeah, yeah, sure. It'll be clear. Yeah, yeah, sure. All of the soul classes are recorded. Oh. You and Tad Cat. Yeah, that's going to be really cute. Okay. Okay, now you're making the nervous okay. One second. Okay. One second. see one second. Not <laughs> yet. Okay. You ready? So we're gonna review the we're gonna, we're gonna review. Ready? Take it from the top. Can hey, we have a stopwatch by the way? Stopwatch? Yeah, stopwatch. Oh, yeah. Okay, let's just see how it takes. Okay. Oh you Okay. Ready. Okay. So, the Torah is divided five books, 54 parashas. How many parts of book number one? Book number two? Book number three? Ten. Ten. Book number four? Ten. Book number five? towards the mind to two parts. Genesis deals with the family. So, two, three, four, five deals with the Eight. nation. Eight. Right, on right. Uh, uh, 2, 3, four is the actual Nine. development. 5 is the? Nine. Good. Then we have the first two parts How many generations the first two? Twenty. 3 Nine. through 12? Four. Good. part number one, we have... Being able. Partial 2. Flood. flood and the tower. 3, 4, 5. 6. Yes. Seven, eight, yeah. nine, 10, 11, 12. How yes. many years in the first two Parsha's? 2000. <laughs> and in the next 10? Good. Then we go to Exodus. The first four Parsha's, Choose the land up. 5 yes. and 6, we get the 7th room building the yeah. Good. Then we have. One second. One is the story of the so, enslavement. Parsha so, yeah. 2, how many plagues? Partial three. three. Partial yes. four. Yes. Five and six, we get the seventh. building that, that circle. Circle. Good. We have seven eight go together. Seven is structure and eight. Nine, the story of ten. They should build the four. and eleven they make the good. Excellent. Then we go down a little bit because the first two parts are the Offering. Good. Partia 1 is the Holy people's people. relationship. Partia 2 is the priest. Part 3, yes. Aaron becomes the priest. 4 and 5, holiness of thee. 6 and 7, holiness of thee. Eight. 8, holiness of the. Yes. Priest and the yes. priest and the yes. priest and all 9 and 10, holiness of thee. Yes. Yes. Then, book number 4, the first three parshas are the encampment. Yes. Then, partial 4, boom, we reject thee. Yes. partial 5, boom, we rebel against thee. And six is that old? Transition. Six, seven, eight, nine, we're fighting. And eight, nine, ten, it's? Good. <laughs> then part oh, number five, part number one, it's Moses and the nation. nation. Then part two, GTM. God? <laughs> Good. Then three, four, five, six is yeah. the land. CIAs. Three is the? Okay. Four is the influences. Five is the administration. Okay. Yeah. six is the <laughs> social code. Seven, eight, nine, ten. It's the covenant. Seven blessings and? Eight you have. Nine is new. Ten is the? And eleven most blessed nation and? Good. Time? Two and a half minutes. Two and a half minutes. Very good. Very good. Excellent. Great. Excellent. So we always like to conclude with, we conclude with our? Chazak, Chazak. right. Be strong, be strong, and may we be strengthened. Before we conclude, yeah. let me just ask you just a few questions, just a uh, sin of the golden calf. What book? partial, was the sin of the golden calf. Nine. nine, nine, very good. Good. How about Abraham? We're going to find Abraham in the Torah. Three, four, Three four five, very good. How about uh, the spies? Four. The spies. Book number four. Good, excellent. Okay, you meet a uh, you meet Stephanie Cohen. You say, oh, you're a Kohen. Kohens are all over the Torah. Where do we have to partially deal with the priests? What's the priests? Oh, Middle two, okay. Right, At Exodus, we have the garments, which are in uh, eight. 8 and 11. So where else do we have things to do with priests? Three, book number three. And four. 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 Right, four, right. We have, well, three, Aaron becomes the priest. Right, so then we have uh, priest. Yeah. So where do we have the rebellion against the priests? What book was four. that in? four. four. Right, good. Uh number four, question number five, great. You're you're up late one night and you're discussing the issues of good and evil. Which part is you gonna look for major events of evil in the Torah? Genesis. Genesis, right, starts at the very beginning, right? Where else do we have major events of evil? The curses. The curses, right? The blessings. The evil befalls us over here. Blessings and curses. Where else? The golden calf. The golden calf, right? That as a result, they say every time the Jewish people go through tragedy. There's always a smattering left over from the sin of the golden calf. Could you say the tower? The ta- sure, the tower was a major event in evil. Yes, absolutely. Because it was, it left, it, um, it broke apart humanity, created all this disharmony in the world. Absolutely. Good. All right, we've now concluded. We have the Torah at our fingertips. As you said, our goal is to get the entire table contents down, to get a sense of the structure, and the organization of the Torah. And I just want to go back to your question, Kyle, about. Organization, Because yeah. I want to insinuate something here. If I can <laughs> if, I, if I can continue, carry on with the insinuation. Just something really fascinating, just, just to conclude. That if you look, remember we, we said the tabernacle, tabernacle, tabernacle? I just want to point something out. There are three parshas in the Torah. that all happen same day, same year. Book number two in Exodus, 11th Parsha. That's when Moses assembled the entire tabernacle. He put it all together. All right? put it all together, that was on Rosh Chodesh Nisan, the first day of Nisan, almost a year after getting out of Egypt. Then, that's 11. Then, partial number 3, in Leviticus, Aaron became the high priest. That was same day, same year that Moses assembled the tabernacle, Aaron on that same day was becoming the Kohen Gadol, he was becoming the high priest. Then, in the book of Numbers, in partial number 2, that's when the leaders of each of the tribes, the princes of each tribe, gifts to the tabernacle. It's called the dedication of the altar. And that began as a 12-day ceremony, but it all began on Rosh Chodesh Nisan, same day, same year. So it's interesting. You have the tabernacle spread out over three books, And these three parts all happen same day, same year. So I'd like to suggest the following. That this part of the tabernacle story is really Moses', Moses, Moses relationship. He saves the sadiq Cap, he gets instructions, only he can assemble it. Book number three is whose relationship to the tabernacle? It's the priests, right? And all the servants within. And portion number four, as we go through the encampment, whose relationship are we focusing on? The people's, right? It's the people's relationship to, around the tabernacle, right? And if you want to extend it, I'd like to extend it. One last step to suggest that really the three books of the Torah that deal with the development of the nation, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, really they deal with three different pillars. Exodus is really Moses' book his birth, him becoming the redeemer, his getting us out, him becoming the prophet of Mount Sinai, his saving us by the golden calf, he's the one who leads the construction of the tabernacle, only he can assemble it. Two is whose relationship, it's the priest, it's the book, it's actually called Torah Kohanim, it's the laws of the Kohanim. And book four, it's really the book of the people. Our encampments, our bad decisions to send in the spies, our gun against the priests, the wars that we have to fight, how we have to take over the land Eventually, without Moshe, so it's three different tours, three different books. Makes sense? Great! You've now gone through the entire tour. It's uh, math. It should be a companion. I have handouts, but I just brought a measly few. So I'm going to send some more. You'll have them. This is the beginning. Mr. Shep will will pick up. We have the Crash Course in Jewish History, all the prophets and the writings, all involved Jewish law and more. So hope we will meet up again. Thank you very much. Thank you you I'm sorry, you, you can go uh you got a doll